Now we return to the Word of God in the last chapter of our Bibles. And that will bring you to Revelation chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel of the Lord said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servant the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first, the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. And if anyone takes words away from this scroll of prophecy, God will take 
away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. What a privilege it is for us to live near to the Chiltern Hills. Yesterday we went for a short walk to see the bluebells and we were able to see some of these magnificent trees which are around us. Autumn, of course, will be even more spectacular, won't it, as the trees change colour and in the winter they glisten with frost and we have the changing scenes to remind us of the beauty of God, the Creator. Now, there are lots of trees in the Bible. In fact, I discovered that two-thirds of the books of the Bible mention trees. That's quite a big proportion, isn't it? We're not going to look at all the trees. We're going to look at one tree, and we're going to look at the last tree that is mentioned in the Bible. Not surprisingly, it's in Revelation chapter 22, and it's on the second verse. Speaking about the city and the river, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. It's a brave preacher who takes on the book of Revelation, but I'm going to try. Let me put my position openly before you. I believe that the book of Revelation is a book of pictures, a book of symbols. And so the things that we see here are things that we would know about in our world to help us to understand the things we don't know about in the next world. The spiritual realities, if God were to explain them in terms which we shall see and understand one day, would be meaningless to us now. And so he uses a series of symbols in the book of Revelation. So, you know if you've opened it and even looked briefly at it, there are beasts, there are lakes, there are numbers, there are places, and all these things I suggest to you are not real in the physical sense, but they are symbolic. And our task, when we're faced with a book like this, is to say, what is the symbol? What does it mean? What does it mean to us? We're going to try to do that with just one picture, the picture of the tree of life. It grows, as we were reminded here, in the city of the new Jerusalem. We can't look up 
all the things about it. But let me just point out that if you were to look at chapter 21, verse 16, you would see the size of this city in stadia, which is translated into miles, means that the city is a cube, 1,400 miles wide, 1,400 miles long, and 1,400 miles high. 1,400 miles is a long way. It's as far as Tripoli in North Africa, if you went south. It's as far as Kalarash in Romania, where our friends are going this week, if you go to the east. And it's cubic. It is a very, very big space, if it were literally a city like that. So what is it saying to us? It's saying the city of God is really big really, really big, because there are going to be many, many, many people there. The city has a garden, and in this garden is the river. Verse 1, it's called the river of the water of life, clear as crystal. Now, that's not the first time this river's mentioned in the Bible. In the book of Ezekiel, there's a lot more symbols. And the same river, described in the same terms, can be found in Ezekiel 47. Jesus helps us in his own teaching to understand something about what that river means. If you turn back in your Bibles for a moment to the uh, letter of John, and John chapter 7, you will find here... Jesus explaining something about this river, this water. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. So we've got no doubt the New Testament tells us the river is a picture of God's activity in his life-giving spirit. So let's try and see how that equates to the river that we've got here. And immediately we find a problem for those people who say it's all got to be a physical place. Because it tells us here that on each side of the river stood the tree of life. I don't know whether you've got trees in your garden. I certainly don't have rivers in my garden. But I've seen a few rivers in my time and I have never seen one tree planted on both sides of the river. So clearly we've got to say this meaning, symbolic stuff going on here, isn't there? What then does the tree represent? I want to suggest to you this morning that looking at this in the whole of the Bible and in this chapter, the tree represents for us eternal life, unending life, the life of God 
in eternity. A tree is a living thing, isn't it? We were trying to grow a little tree in our garden last year, and uh, I'm fast coming to the conclusion that although I did put rubble, uh, bubble wrap around it in the cold weather, it's not showing any signs of life now. But trees are living things. Now, this tree is mentioned as far back as the book of Genesis. It's one of the trees mentioned in the Garden of Eden. There, the tree of life is mentioned. It's something which Adam and Eve were able to eat of its fruit and enjoy it. There was no command to Adam and Eve not to eat of this tree. It's a different tree that they shouldn't eat from and sadly did. But this tree, they were able to eat and enjoy its fruit. Now, we'll find it here as well. And in chapter 22, it tells us that the fellowship with God that they had in the Garden of Eden is the fellowship that we can have now. They will see his face. They will see the face of Jesus. This tree is a picture of God's people enjoying fellowship with him in that garden. Eternal life is not just life that goes on and on and on. It's life that has the quality of love and life and fellowship with God. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, that's the reality of which this tree is a picture. But you know, and tragically, the history of the world demonstrates that whilst that tree was in the garden and they enjoyed the fellowship with God there, they disobeyed God, didn't they? And that meant that sin barred their access to the tree. I'll just read from Genesis chapter 3 because it's, um, it's very significant for the whole of this subject. In Genesis 3 and verse 22, after the account of the sin of Adam and Eve, we read, The Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Because of sin, he wasn't allowed to eat of the tree of life. Otherwise, it would mean he would live forever. That's the sad story of what happened to the tree in the Garden of Eden. So the tree represents the eternal life which was forbidden to sinners. But of course we have the Bible in front of us to remind us that the tree can now be accessed because the whole gospel story is about Jesus coming to put right what Adam and Eve put wrong. And the way that was barred 
in access to the tree from Adam and Eve has now been brought together by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now there's something rather strange about the actual word used for tree in Revelation 22. Gardeners amongst you will know the Greek word for tree is dendron. Rhododendron, that Greek ending, means tree. And there are other names of trees which are called dendron. But although the Bible uses the word dendron for lots of the trees that it mentions, it doesn't use it here. It uses a different word altogether, which has more of the meaning of the wood that the tree is made out of. And when Paul is writing to the Galatians about Jesus dying on the tree, he uses that different word. And when Peter is preaching in the book of Acts about Jesus dying on the cross, he doesn't use the word dendron, he uses the word that is used here. It seems as though the very words chosen by the Holy Spirit to tell us about the tree and its relationship to the Lord Jesus dying on a tree is linking it to what we now see in the tree of life. You see, it's by taking the judgment and wrath and hell that we deserved, the Lord Jesus Christ has opened the way for us to have access to that tree. How does that happen? It happens when we believe in the Lord Jesus, when we trust in him. It's our faith which gives personal access to us to that tree. Now, if we were to look in the book of Revelation at those people who are in this city and whose names are written there in the Lamb's Book of Life, we'll describe them, we'll hear them described in a ver- variety of ways. But one of the ways that's often used in the Book of Revelation about those people who are going to be there enjoying this fellowship with God is that they've washed their robes. That can't be a much clearer picture, can it, of our sin being washed away. And they've washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. The cross and its blood is accessed by those who believe that Jesus bore their sins in his body on the tree. Now this is really very important. If you've got your Bible, please look at Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15. Because here's one of the most solemn things in the Bible about this matter of the tree. If anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. People who have washed their blood, their, their, their sins away in the blood of Jesus, they will have access to this river and to this tree. But those who don't, won't. Now here's a question which we always face when we're looking at the symbols of the book of Revelation. 
and we've got to face up to it. We've got to ask ourselves, is this all a picture only of the future when we get to heaven? Or does any of it have anything to say to us here and now? Do we already belong to this city? Well, we know from other parts of the Bible, don't we, that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ can not only have their sins forgiven when they get to heaven, they can have their sins forgiven when they are here. And we can have this fellowship with God here and now. And so Christians who take a symbolic view of the book of Revelation say the picture in completion is a picture of the whole church of Jesus Christ. Some of them are already in heaven. Some of them are living here and now. Some of them are away at Cleobury Mortimer. Some of them are at home, in their homes. Wherever God's people are found, that whole body is the church, the redeemed people of God now and then. We don't have to wait until we begin to enjoy some of these blessings. Chapter 21 and verse 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. Now, I believe that God is with me now. That God is living with me now. We say to these little children today, Jesus may not be with you in a bodily sense, but by his spirit, he can be your comforter now. He is now with his people. This is not something merely to be waiting for the future. It's something already here and now. And that's something which is so important. Ah, but there's one more thing just to say about this faith before we, we move on. It has to be the right kind of faith. It's not just the people who say, oh, yes, I believe in God and all that kind of thing. It has to be a faith which faces up to the realities of this life and the Bible uses the word overcomes. If you were to turn back to the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation and chapter 2 in the reference to the church in Ephesus, he, say, he says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. What does he mean by overcome? It means we face the problems and challenges of this world now. And because we're trusting in Jesus, not in ourselves, then we can overcome. And he who endures to the end is the one who will be saved. But I want to move on to look at what it says here in Revelation 22 and 2 about the fruit and the leaves. That's the interesting thing here, isn't it? What does it say? On each side of the river <coughs> stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. 
What does the fruit symbolize? Well, it tells us about God's abundant provision for our needs. It's a huge city. There are numbers and numbers and numbers of people there that can't be counted. And so this picture language is saying to those who live in a hot country where the Bible was written, it's a river. It's something refreshing. And it's fruitful. The tree is giving you fruit to eat. Again, it's only a detail, but it does say it's one tree, but it says it's on both sides of the river, and it seems to be going along the side of the river. This one tree is a picture that's repeated. And what do you make of this, this idea of the fruit coming every month? Well, uh, I know people who have fruit trees look carefully at uh, when they see the buds coming at this time of year, make sure they get, don't get too much frost. And uh, uh, come the autumn, they will be talking about bearing fruit from their trees, but not once every month. What can that mean? Well, it means that, that God is saying here, I will always provide for you whenever you need it all the time. Twelve crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. The source of our sustenance is the tree of life, is our fellowship with Jesus. And it goes on and it goes on and it feeds us all the time. Now, don't forget, we're saying this starts now. This is not just something for the future. It starts now. We can rely upon God to provide for our needs. It begins here and it goes on, on and on into eternity. Jesus talked about this, didn't he? He used the picture of the vine and about our feeding upon the vine and our receiving our life from the Lord Jesus. That's the same picture as the fruit constantly sustaining his people. The leaves are something different. The leaves, it says, are for the healing of the nations. The nations are very prominent in the book of Revelation. It was written originally to God's people in some of the nations of the ancient world, but many times in the book of Revelation, it talks about people from every tribe and nation and language and people. And in all these places and in all these ways, God is going to provide for them. Chapter 21, verse 24. The nations will walk by the light of its lamp. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut. There will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter into it. The nations are going to enjoy this healing. Now, in New Testament times, they didn't have the National Health Service and the prescription systems that we have. But they had doctors and they had medicines and a lot of them were made out of leaves, of different leaves from different trees. They knew 
about healing leaves. And so here this picture is being used to say that the nations will be healed by the tree of life. Does that mean physically healed? Well, the Lord Jesus did physically heal a number of people, didn't he? But he also said, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And he meant the spiritually sick. Now, it doesn't take much imagination to look around at our newspapers, our news reports, wherever you read them on your phone or on your tablet or on your television, to see that the nations are pretty sick, aren't they? How can they be healed? Well, it won't be by political experts sitting down, writing out their plans. What will heal nations is the Lord Jesus Christ being brought into their experience through the gospel by the work of mission, taking the message of the Lord Jesus to those parts of the world. And so we need to be remembering that if there is to be comfort for people in the nations, like the civilians in Syria, and those families in Egypt we've heard about this week, it will be by the gospel reaching those who have the means to change their lives. The leaves symbolize God's blessing on the nations. Well, our time's gone. Let's just see as we close what lessons we can learn from the tree of life. Just three quick lessons. First of all, be thankful. Thankful that we can possess eternal life here and now. Not by our own efforts, but by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let me stop there. Have you all thanked Jesus for what he did for you? It's a very simple thing. We sang with the children, thank you, Jesus. Have you ever thanked Jesus for what he's done for you? I know what he's done for other people. We rejoice at that. But we never come to enjoy the blessings of the tree of life until we sit down and quietly say, I'm sorry of all the things that I've done, but I thank you, Jesus, that you died for me, that you've given me access to this wonderful provision that God has made. <clears throat> Secondly, be confident. Be confident that the God who has now called you into fellowship with his son is the one who is going to look after you. The tree is this picture of fruit and leaves and healing and blessing. And it's there every day for everyone. The sovereign king whose triumph is everywhere in this book in symbolic picture language, is the sovereign king who rules and rules our lives in a way that will provide for our needs too. We must be confident that when we look forward a bit, see there's a space, isn't there, between now and when we go to heaven. 
there's a space, and in that space we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what the circumstances are going to be for us or for our loved ones. But here is a reminder. We can be confident every month, all the time. He's going to provide for us. And when we do get to the heavenly city, we should look back and perhaps we should understand a little more of the reason why some of those things did happen. We cannot see a picture like this and see what it means to us without being confident for our future. And thirdly, we can be encouraged. We can be encouraged because this book is going to happen. So much that is in the book has already happened. But when we see the bits that have not yet happened, we say, it's the same God, it's the same book, it's the same Jesus, this will happen too. I like what it says in the book of Revelation about the nations, you see, because we've got this big missionary task, haven't we? We've got this desire to see nations reached with the gospel. And then when we read in the book of Revelation, people from every language and tribe and people will be there. We say God knows what he's doing. God has a plan here. And the plan is a plan which will surely come to pass. Not only ourselves here, but those from those nations too will enjoy the healing properties of the tree. Have I convinced you that this is a book of symbols and they do have meaning for us? Just three things then to take home. Be thankful. Be confident. Be encouraged that it started now and it will go on into eternity. Amen.